Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Happy USA wins the World Cup Day. Soccer Morning coming at you. Very excited to have you with us on a Monday edition of the program. Man, oh man, oh man, what a weekend, what a weekend. Could you possibly have dreamt it or dreamed it or however we say that word? The United States World Champions Women's World Cup 5-2 to two over Japan. Carly Lloyd with a hat trick. She wins Golden Ball. Puts in a performance for the ages. We'll have a lot of discussion about the women lifting the World Cup trophy for the first time in 16 years on this show. Jonathan Tannenwald, who, is, uh, who has been trekking around Canada. I just imagine him with a backpack, uh, a jar of maple syrup, some bacon, all of the accoutrement that makes it Canadian. <laughs> just imagine him doing. No, of course not. He flew in, uh, in, in proper jet planes across Canada covering the women's national team. He'll join us in a couple of minutes to give his perspective on the triumph of Jill Ellis and her squad. It, we did not see this coming necessarily when this tournament began, but here we are with the United States World Champions once again. Uh, I imagine you had quite the weekend with that, with the 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day. Happy America's birthday. Uh, great weekend to celebrate a Women's World Cup victory on the 4th of July weekend. Uh, I'm still struggling a bit to get my feet underneath me here on a Monday. I'll be completely honest with you. Friday night, uh, did a little MLS broadcast thing on Ravel. Then Saturday was all day blowout, 4th of July. Weather was terrible here, but still had a good time. I spent my 4th of July with a bunch of Puerto Ricans, which was happenstance. I didn't necessarily think that was going to happen, and it just sort of did. Uh, and I had a, a great time. Now, you think, oh, well, you know, maybe you didn't have a lot of soccer. No, I worked it in. Watched some Copa America, Chile, beating Argentina on penalties in the Copa America final. You got to feel for Lionel Messi in Argentina. Uh, maybe they should have figured out a way to break down Chile and score the goal they needed to win that tournament. But the way things played out in penalties, you just knew. You just knew that Chile at home, it was going to be difficult. And now we once again have that narrative. Lionel Messi, can he be the one of the greatest of all time if he does not win an international tournament with his country? I don't know the answer to that. I feel like Lionel Messi is one of the best players of all time, full stop. And yet here we are, in the aftermath of another disappointment, wondering if it's on him. There's a lot of players in that Argentina squad who can help them win. It shouldn't be on Lionel Messi all the time. But here in the aftermath of losing again, and, and not only losing, losing on penalties and losing in a game in which they didn't score a goal. They couldn't figure out a way to score. Now, Chile didn't score either and give Argentina some credit for that. But when you have Lionel Messi, you expect him to go out and, and figure out a way to score the goal that will win the tournament. And that did not happen. So we crowned a Copa America champion. We crowned a World Cup champion up in Vancouver. We had a lot of happenings in MLS as well this weekend. Steven Gerrard unveiled in Los Angeles, introduced to the crowd there, 27,000 on hand for, I imagine, a good fireworks show after the match in which the Galaxy ran roughshod over TFC for nothing. Now, we're in that period with the Gold Cup starting this week. And by the way, we'll blow out the Gold Cup coverage here as well. Do not miss Soccer Morning this week, next week, into this tournament. Uh, but with the Gold Cup period now upon us, we have all of those international absences that are going to impact MLS play. LA beats Toronto. LA without Omar Gonzalez, without Giassi Sardes. Toronto without Bradley, without Altidore. This was clearly not these two teams at full strength. The Galaxy get the job done. Robbie Keane. Fantastic, Sebastian Legett with another uh, another contribution. He's been fantastic for the Galaxy so far since being picked up. They said goodbye to Stefan Ishizaki, who they let uh, they let out of his contract. He wanted to return to Sweden. He's got twins on the way, and as a young father, would prefer to uh, to raise his family at home. Good on the Galaxy for doing that. Elsewhere in MLS, Seattle beating DC United late Friday night. Tyrone Mears. 
with a wonder strike. Probably didn't see that one coming. A very ugly match. A game, again, that game beset by international absences on the Seattle side. DC United dealing with a host of injuries. We just had a bunch of ugly soccer this weekend in MLS. Houston, Chicago, 1-1. That's the game I called for Rabble.tv. Not, not a game you write home about. Columbus beating New York. There were actually some pretty stuff. There was some pretty stuff happening in that game with Kai Kamara setting up Ethan, Ethan Finley twice. Ethan Finley looking fantastic. Uh, are we going to lose that guy to Canada? Is that what's going to happen? Montreal falling to NYCFC. David Villa on the score sheet twice. Looking great for City. Dallas looking like old school Dallas, meaning the beginning of the year. Dallas 3-0 over New England at home. Moro Diaz a hand in all three of those goals for FCD. Good performance from him. Colorado 2 Vancouver one bit of a surprise there. Kevin Doyle with his first MLS goal to give Colorado a victory over uh, West leading Vancouver. RSL and Orlando won one. Kaká sent off for a stamp on Javier Morales. It, was it intentional? I don't know. Kaká wasn't really arguing. Uh, it's possible he maybe snuck a foot in and got caught. Uh, and then late last night, Portland beat San Jose. A very late goal by Jack Jewsberry, who I don't think had any knowledge of what he was doing exactly. He just kind of stuck his leg out. The ball went off of it into the net. Uh, three points for the Timbers. That's all that really matters, especially at this point in the season. The Timbers trying to climb back to the top of the Western Conference. The NASL kicked off their fall season uh, this weekend. I'm just trying to pull up some results here for the North American Soccer League as they get underway. Uh, New York's, uh, sorry, the Cosmos drawing with, uh, sorry, do I have that right? Let me just get my scores here, people. My apologies. Uh, Carolina and, uh, and Minnesota. Carolina 3-1 winners over Minnesota. Tampa Bay Rowdies 2-1 over Atlanta Silverbacks. Ottawa 2, Jacksonville nothing. FC Edmonton destroys the San Antonio Scorpions 4-0 at home. New York City, there we go. New York Cosmos, excuse me, won Indianapolis, Indy 11 won. And there's your uh, NASL weekend in a nutshell. CONCACAF outlining reforms that they would like to enact for transparency purposes. Come on, CONCACAF, get it together. Proposals for the North American, North and Central American and Caribbean's governing body. This is from ESPN FC, uh, as written by Jeff Carlisle. Contained in the framework were put forward by a three-man special committee consisting of Sneil Galati, Canadian Soccer Association President Victor Montagliani and Mexico Federal Football Federation President Justino Campion uh, and distributed to the media one day before the Gold Cup tournament kicks off. The, uh, the proposal reflects CONCACAF's commitment to strengthening our governance, management, and operations, the organization said. Proposals include an as-yet uh, as unspecified number of independent members on the ex executive committee, term limits on executive committee members, including the president, the approval of executive committee member compensation to be done by independent members of the compensation committee, appointment of an independent members to CONCACAF's governance committee to evaluate governance and transparency on an annual basis, and providing training to executive committee members and organization officers on issues of corporate governance and transparency. That's a bunch of boring stuff, but it's important, so we talk about it. Let's take a break. Speaking of important, the United States women's national team are world champions once again. Jonathan Tannenwald will join us to talk all about that. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez, is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast, of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand, featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Syria, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com slash soccer. Again, that's sling.com slash soccer. 
This week, the U.S. men's national team kicks off its campaign to try to win back-to-back Gold Cups for the first time since 2005 and 2007. As many of you know, the past month of Women's World Cup and Copa America coverage have been augmented by our sponsor, Rabble.tv. They've given people like me, Jerry Dubois, and Thomas Floyd an opportunity to provide you with an alternate commentary to several memorable games. Now that the Gold Cup is kicking off, we're going to continue our relationship with Rabble. Each U.S. game over the next week will feature a Rabble audio broadcast, including Friday's game, where I'll be bringing you USA against Haiti, as well as Monday, July 13th's game between USA and Panama, which will feature audio dialogue from World Soccer Talk's Cardiff Krishnayer. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Cheer on the red, white, and blue with Rabble.tv today. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning on a Monday. It is post-World Cup Monday. Jonathan Tannenwald from Philly.com joins us now, the goalkeeper on Twitter. He's been covering the Women's World Cup, and it has ended in an American victory. John, when this game, when this thing started, I don't even know how many days ago, it seems like a dream. Did you honestly believe this is where we would end up? No. I could have answered the. You, you could have stopped me. Said when we started, I would have said no. Uh, the United States got better uh, progressively over the course of the tournament. They raised their level when they had to raise their level, John. And I think that one of the more interesting narratives, and, and I, I sort of reject it. I'm, I'm a very. If I don't know the variables, I know what the constants are. The constants are that Jill Ellis has been the coach of this team from the very beginning to the very end, and they won a World Cup title. I'm more than happy to give her lots and lots of credit, but there are a lot of people out there who want to undermine Jill Ellis and her leadership of this team. Which way is there? Is it it a middle ground? Which way should we go? I think it's a middle ground. I think the middle ground is that. she probably didn't have to wait until the very last possible minute to make that formation switch. We'd all been calling for it for what the almost all of her tenure, right? Right. Which uh, you know, I and I've had it. I've had it suggested to me that maybe Jill Ellis, and, and this was not the terminology used, but this is what this term, the terminology I'm going to apply. Maybe she slow played the thing. <laughs> maybe. Maybe it was all a plan to get to that peak level and that 4-3-3 at the exact right moment to put Carly Lloyd in the best position possible to score a hat-trick in the World Cup. I don't know. I don't think so. And this is what I wrote in this morning's Inquirer. I think that a couple of things happened um, that were sort of signals. Um, One was Abby Wambach missing the penalty against Columbia. And somebody deciding whether it was Wombach or somebody else, that Wombach was not taking the next penalty. And Carly Lloyd did, and she scored it. Um, and she scored it the way these, she scores most of her goals by saying, I don't care what you think, I'm putting this ball past you. Uh, and then the thing that really turned all of it, and honestly, the moment at which the U.S. might, oddly enough, have won the World Cup was when Lauren Holiday got suspended. Mm-hmm. This is that's uh, that's an interesting element to this as well. Um, and it's not it's it is not the ideal way of going about winning a World Cup to have no. one of your best players get suspended. No, but, but it but, forced Jill Ellis's hand. It, it did, and and, and I, I I do think there is room to to have these discussions and to talk about the sequence of events that ultimately led to the most effective American team on the field, John. But at the same time, it's a results business, and she got the results. She did. Oh, no, she got the results. That's for sure. And nobody will ever be able to take that away from her. And I've sort of I've said as much a couple times now. But um, that flat 4-4-2 was not beating the Germans. And I'm not sure it would have beaten the Chinese if Kelly O'Hara wasn't on the field. Um, 
and it wasn't beating Japan either. And I was actually kind of worried that she might go back to it because Japan has such issues with teams that play a power game. But she somehow, to her credit, I'll say it, I don't know whether it was her decision or somebody else's, it somehow became clear that the best way to beat Japan was to stick with the 4-3-3 and press the hell out of them, which is exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, again, let's go back to the, uh, to the, well, rather than go back to the beginning, maybe we can do that in a second, but let's just talk about that game last night, that performance by Carly Lloyd, the absolute uh, shot out of a cannon mentality that this team had. Um, whether you want to question how Jill Ellis got to the right tactics, and she certainly did, but whether or not you want to question that, she certainly had a hand, and I know there's incredible leadership on this team, so I'm going to give them all of those players credit as well, and, and we could go down a list here. But she certainly had a hand in the motivation of this team and how they came out against Japan last night. That was, I don't know that I've ever seen any team, any sport, any time more ready to play than the Americans were last night. No, it was extraordinary. And before I go on, by the way, let me inform the listeners that if my voice sounds for us, it's this time around, it's not because it's six o'clock <laughs> hours of sleep. It is because this city is covered in dust and ash from forest fires in the suburbs. And it is actually for quite a few people made breathing impossible. Oof. And I was kind of surprised that the game went off without a hitch yesterday because it was pretty bad yesterday. I thought they might shut the roof. They didn't. And, uh, you got to hand it to the players for playing through that because it's pretty bad out here. Did they certainly? Um, they, they. I mean, I don't know what the conditions were like there. We had Rob Stone mentioning that the haze behind him on the live shots from the Fox uh, uh, setup was actually the the haze, the smoke from the forest fires. Um, I mean, you said that you were surprised. It, were there any complaints? Were there any? Was there any talk at all about that as a factor? I I asked a FIFA official whether they might shut the roof, and I never got an answer. Well, they certainly didn't. I mean, I, I mean, you know, talk about environmental factors, John, and, and tell me if you picked up on any of this. It was mentioned by Eric Winalda ahead of the game. Um, it came up a couple of times. Glenn Crooks, or not sorry, Glenn Crooks. Um, uh, Tony DeChico didn't mention it until after the second half kickoff. Uh, but the sun, did the sun play a factor in that first half in, in how badly? Jap- sun uh, plays a factor in every Whitecaps game they've ever played in that building that's been during the afternoon. We've all seen it many times. And I've had people tell me before that the Whitecaps know it, and they, they win the coin toss. They know which end of the field the picks so that it screws the other goalkeeper over. So how much of that, how much of that, that opening 15 minutes, 16 minutes, was down to that sun? I think it was Lloyd's goal for midfield. Okay, I think that was part. Well, of it. But, okay, but that's you're also you also can't be 15 yards off your line. No, you can't be. But I think I think Carly, I would presume, saw the goalkeeper and knew that she could play with the light a little bit because she was in the shadowed half of the field. Um. Anyway, you were asking about the whole shot out of cannon. I've never seen anything like that before. I think it was a testament to just how darn badly they wanted this thing. All of them. Every single one of them. Just, and I, you know, I I had, I was fortunate. I had an A1 piece in this morning's Inquirer, and somebody back home will hopefully at the office save me a copy of the paper so that I can keep it. Um, I wrote, very few of the players on this team carried more of a burden, angst, you know, annoyance, desire to end this World Cup drought than Carly Lloyd. Because mm-hmm. she's the captain of the team. She was there, I believe, I'm pretty sure in 2007. She was there in 2011. She's got two Olympic gold medals around her neck, and she scored the winning goal in both gold medal games. But as she said repeatedly, that's not what matters. She wants a World Cup. Mm-hmm. So as befits somebody from the general metropolitan area in which I live. Uh, she just went out and took the damn thing. And that is why she is a rock star and that is why she is a superhero in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. 
uh, that is one of those those performances um, that we will be talking about, you know, 30, 40, 50 years from now, no matter what happens. Um, you know, we've talked about some of the societal and cultural elements of of this tournament and how, uh, you know, the 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 attitudes that, that come to bear anytime we have a, a major um well, anytime we have a women's sporting event, period, but certainly when we have a major one and it gets a, a profile and a, and a, a spotlight like this. But I, and I, I honestly believe that, that, you know, what we, what we saw from Carly Lloyd yesterday is that it is the type of thing that will transcend all of those various murky things I don't really want to talk about right now, John, because that, I mean, there, there's really no other way to say that's one of the most amazing final performances you're ever going to see. And I'm not sure if there's even a topper to that. I, the only one in my life of watching soccer that I can remember, at least off the top of my head, is Zinedine Zidane in 1998. Mm -hmm. That came close. And here's another compliment to Carly Lloyd and what she does and the way she does things. You know, Abby has always been the campaigner for 30 million other things, herself included. Um, you know, the social justice, the marriage equality, this, that, the other thing. And it's great. I, I agree with almost all of them, as do a lot of us, even though Wombach drives us all insane sometimes. Carly Lloyd's just a soccer player. Mm -hmm. And I, I said at the beginning of the tournament, I said, I think even to you before I left, the greatest compliment we're going to pay this tournament is that we're just going to treat it as soccer and not as a women's thing. Right. Carly Lloyd, she's a soccer player. Mm -hmm. That's a great compliment. Absolutely is. Um, you know, this has also been a pretty amazing roller coaster ride. I, I, you know, that's a, it's a, it's a cliche analogy, John. We pull it out too, too often, but I don't know how else to describe how uh, the stories around this team, the chatter around this team at various points during this tournament, covering the way that we have here on Soccer Morning with you and Jeff Kasouf and Charlie Bohm. We've had discussions about how bad they looked. They were getting the results, but they looked really bad. Then we've had discuss, then we had discussions about Charlie Bohm actually had, had heard some things about it not going well behind the scenes and that there was a, there may be a, a slight mutiny against Ellis. And, and then here we are. The day after the final, and they could not be a tighter, closer, more successful team in every sense of what that word means. I am not the least bit going to doubt, Charlie. I'm really not. But I don't think the players were ever fractured against each other. Right. Well, that yes, way. but that's that's a different question whether or not they liked what Jill Ellis was doing. And again, we just got done talking about how she sort of backed her way into the correct approach. Well, you might, you'll remember that um, in Ottawa, Carly Lloyd offered some fairly um, blunt remarks, shall we say, on the state of the U.S. team's form. From what she has said and what I've been able to gather around the same time, she had a bit of a heart-to-heart -heart with Ellis. Mm-hmm. And around the same time, all of a sudden, the shackles came off. Now, again, part of the reason why the shackles came off was these other circumstances. But what I wrote, you know, as I wrote in the paper this morning, and it's at the philly.com slash World Cup. I am not in a place right now where I can quite get to my computer because I have it shut off, but maybe Trevor or somebody can tweet it out and I'll retweet it. Uh, the A1 story I wrote about Lloyd was that, you know, they had this meeting, they had this conversation, the reins came off in the China game, and then Jill Ellis had to figure out what to do. And I said, she surprised everybody and delighted a lot of observers by keeping all three of the central midfielders out there. And it worked, and off they went. The the shackles coming off, so to speak. I, you know that that speech speaks to the power dynamics within this team. I don't, again, not being in there, not not knowing intimately what's going on. I don't want to make any any broad assumptions about it, but it also does lead us into a wider discussion about 
where the, the, the program goes. Maybe today's not the day for that, John. Maybe, maybe the day after the World Cup. And, I, and a title. I will yield that subject to the gang at Chop Tour Soccer. Okay. Because they both know, uh, they both know who's coming up the ranks and, uh, they seem to be a bit more expert at, uh, than I who would just say, just keep winning and they will probably say more things than that. Okay. All right. Again, but I'm not sure today's the day for that. I mean, today is the day for, for celebrating this team. And, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate what they overcame. I mean, this is the, the, the thing that we knew from the very beginning and the reason that we were so critical until they turned it on, let's say against Germany is that we knew the talent was there. They just hadn't shown it yet. Uh, I'll, I'll say China instead of Germany, but I think you're absolutely right. Um, and look, this team gets held to a higher standard than any other team in the world. Uh, something else that I wrote that I wrote the game recap that I had this morning. Um, those fans that came in BC place yesterday, and I do want to give them all the credit in the world, especially the American outlaws. And I'll get into more that more in a second. They were not just there to cheer their team on. They were there to absolutely demand a championship and mm-hmm. they were not going to walk out of that building with anything else. Uh, and they got it. Mm, they did. And they got it in style. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want to take a particular moment to praise them, to praise the American outlaws, to praise Dan Weersmo, who I know has been on the show before. Um, what they did this month. Mm-hmm. And I wrote about this last time I was in Vancouver. Um, what they did to finally bring the support culture in the U.S. women's national team fan sphere was remarkable, was really important, was really impressive. And as I wrote, you know, for me, as somebody who tried to do it 12 years ago, um, to see what they did was just really heartwarming. They deserve a lot of praise. It, they, they took it to, a next level, to the next level, um, and it was great to see. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what to say other than, uh, than well done. I mean, uh, certainly we know that the story of the American Outlaws has taken some interesting twists and turns over the last, I don't know, six to eight months. But they done they did they did fantastic work. Um, yeah, the single out Dan, who I'm not sure is, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm his favorite person right now for various reasons. But uh, I love Dan and, and he's doing a great job. The um, the other thing is, John, one of the reasons we have you on the show regularly is to talk about the media side of things. And uh, while I know you were covering the tournament in person and therefore was not partaking in the Fox coverage, I imagine you at least have some sort of notion of how big this was for, uh, for Spock. I'll tell you what. The Fox over-the-air games were on TV up here. Okay. So I got to do something. They did a brilliant job. They did a much better job than anybody thought they were going to. I have not seen overnight ratings yet because uh, it's 6.30 in the morning up here. All I have is that Philadelphia did an 11.6 rating and I what looks like a 33 share, which is a third of the viewership in the region. And the peak was a 15.137, 15.1 rating and a 37 share okay, can, well, the hold, end of the game. Well, well, hold on, hold on. I, I, I have some sort of grasp. I know some other pe- I know people sometimes can handle these numbers. A lot of people don't. Did you just say a third of the televisions in Philadelphia watch this game? I think I did. Holy crap. Um, is there any chance at all that, that, that this one beats the 99 final? Oh, yes. And then oh, I think it will. I think it will. Okay. Um, I don't think it will set the overall viewership record all time. Which is, which is, um, I think it's Argentina, Germany last year. It's either Argentina, Germany, or U.S. Portugal. That, that's that's imp- somewhere in the neighborhood of twenty-seven, twenty-eight okay, million. Okay, so that's pure number. That's a pure, just a flat number, not not necessarily a rating or anything to that in that regard. Right. Well, the thing about the thing about ratings and ratings points is that a ratings the number of people in a ratings point has varied over time. Right. Right. Exactly. Which is why I have always um, used number of viewers as the benchmark 
Um, and I'm trying while I'm on here to get, to get up a, a John Orand or a Richard Deitch or somebody like that on Twitter and see what they've been saying. Um, it's massive. And the difference here, obviously, was the time zone. Right. Yes. I mean, you know, yes, 99 was, was in the States and it was this watershed moment. But um, it's uh, it's huge, and it's just kept you know the growth of the sport, you know, and all that. It's been it's been spectacular, and I think you know I think we may well be looking at twenty million people by the time all is said. Okay, and if I remember correctly, the ninety nine final did something in the range of eighteen. 17 to 18, I believe okay. that's right. Uh, just uh, while while we're here, John, I thought I'd throw this stuff in. This is um, posted over uh, on uh, ESPNW by by, by Col- uh, Paul Carr and Jonathan Costa. These are just some, some stats here that they've thrown together. You know how Paul does. The United States became the first team to score more than two goals in a Women's World Cup final and did so by the 14th minute. Uh, the U.S. scored its first two goals in the opening five minutes of the match. The earliest a team has ever scored two goals in a single Women's World Cup match. Uh, four goals in the first 16 minutes, the earliest that's ever happened. Obviously, there were 11 goals in the previous two USA-Japan match, uh, finals. So 11 goals total in the last two. The United States scored uh, <laughs> scored five in this one. Carly Lloyd's uh, hat trick. First, uh, first woman, to do, woman to do that in the final, obviously, uh, by doing so in the match's first 16 minutes. She scored the earliest hat trick in women's World Cup history. And uh, one of the stats that was about bouncing around, I don't know if, if Paul has it here, I'm not going to read everything he wrote. Uh, they wrote, but um, the only other World Cup final hat trick was uh, in the 1966 final. Um, why am I blanking on on his name, John? The men's final, Hurst, Jeff yes, Hurst, Jeff Hurst, which came in 120 minutes of soccer. So, you know, this is this is stun. And, and again. I think it almost, and I hope that this isn't a thing that's going to happen. John, I might be building a straw man here. But I'm watching that game, and I'm watching the United States absolutely demolish Japan for the first 15, 20 minutes of that match. And I'm thinking, and it's 4 nothing before you know it, and I'm thinking people who don't know soccer, people who don't know women's soccer specifically, are going to flip by and think, oh, this is just, you know, we're the best team in the world by a million miles. Clearly, Japan's really terrible. This isn't competitive. I don't. I want. Pe- I hope people understand the context of what happened yesterday. I hope they do too. Because if they were watching four years ago, or watching for even a half second of this tournament, and they knew that Japan was the only team that did not even draw a single game, much less lose, that they'd get it. The, the, I hope so. And, and again, whether or not Japan was a, a was, was scoring a lot of goals in this tournament, they weren't doing that. The nature of their game allowed them to control match after match after match. They never, I said this earlier in the tournament, John, maybe even coming into the final. While the United States was scraping by for a while there, and it seemed like a lot of effort and a lot of work, and they needed a little bit of luck here and a little bit of luck there, Japan was scraping by, and it was like, oh, this is just the way they do things. And, yeah, it's cool. This is how, this is how Japan does and they're probably going to be standing at the end of the thing. And for the United States again to not only uh, to not only beat them, period, but to beat them in the manner that they did, I think is pretty remarkable. Um, it occurs to me, and one of your listeners might like this analogy, that this was Spain and the Netherlands. In what way? Spain with the passing style where they won a bunch of games by one goal and won a title. Right. And beat the Netherlands in the 2010 final. And then the return, the reverse game in the group stage, the Dutch just blew their doors off. Yes, right. In the 2014 uh, group stage. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And and I I don't know if it says anything about styles or soccer philosophies. Um, Somebody will do a think piece about the death of, uh, the Japanese version of possession soccer or something. I ho- hopefully not. But th- those things tend to come out of, of, of these moments. We draw these big conclusions. And again, I don't want to get into what's next for the U.S. Women's National Team program. But is it fair to say that as long as they're put out there in, in the right formation, utilizing the best talents of their players, in this particular case, Carly Lloyd being the key, 
and they have a a, a solid back line and and you know th- that was a major talking point throughout the tournament how good that that defense was that the quote unquote american style of play on the women's side can carry them forward for the foreseeable future ah uh, that i'm not so sure <laughs> okay the, the, then that that see that would open up that can of worms that involves what you said we should be deferring to the to the top tour soccer guys about well, they seem to have a lot of good ideas. <laughs> and you're just a little bit of a dig, maybe? No, look, I just, people care about winning. And they know that, you know, you have to play good soccer and you have to develop players and all these other things. But they care about winning. And I, I just, I think for better or worse, it is possible that now, you know, and the, the big question really is going to be what happens to Ellis. Sure. You know, Wombach will go. Rampone Box will go. Some others, Kolopny, might go. Question is, what else happens now? Does Ellis go eventually, and if so, when? Because it will be possible for somebody to say, no, she's not going to, uh, because she won the World Cup. Mm-hmm. I sort of kind of think that it might be reasonable to start the now that they're off the hook now that the pressure's done gone Mm -hmm. now might be the time to take the step and start moving forward that i think that would be um that certainly would be prudent on the part of u.s soccer better to to do that to sit on your laurels at this point um i mean this is it did take them 16 years to get back to the top um, and I think that that's a, whether you win this World Cup or not, that's certainly, there's a clear message in the fact that you failed to do it through those three consecutive World Cups since, uh, since 1999. Is that, do I have that right? Or four? Whatever. No, three, uh, three, three. Yeah. Oh, three. Oh, three. Yes. Yeah. Oh, three, oh, seven, 2011. Yes. So, uh, it, you know, it took them the, the fourth try. They finally get it done again. Uh, John. Uh, before I let you go, let's get you back to your. Uh, we have we have a this just in situation. We do. What is that? Yes, Douglas Pucci of Awful Announcing, fifteen point two overnight, twenty seven share with the latter being percentage of the population with televisions, fifteen point two rating, twenty seven share from seven to nine, which was the game slot. Peak from eight thirty to nine of seventeen point nine rating and thirty share, which was the end of the game. He's saying it translates to somewhere between 21 and 23 and a half million viewers. Wow. Wow. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I, th- I think this was ultimately a success for, for Fox. <laughs> I think that's uh, right. And uh, I'm not, look. Yeah. I, I think they know deep down. They can't say it. But they might at some point. Um, yep, John Oran confirms. We got somebody at Fox this morning. It sounds like 15.2 overnight. Um, they're not going to beat that in Russia and Qatar. No. No. I mean, and that's the practical issue. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, and, and this was, and, and they did, you know, they, they presented this the way they needed to present it to maximize everything that they had um, in a tournament that, not only had interesting storylines for the home side, and when I say the home side, their home side, the U.S., but also was perfectly timed for an American audience. Um, so uh, a big success for Fox. John, before I let you go, let me make this another, let me draw this out to another big picture thing. I fell asleep last night with some late night writing responsibilities. Uh, I fell asleep last night with the 99ers, 9 for 9 uh, ESPN documentary on my television and um there was you know there was an obvious reason ESPN was running it when they when and they've been running it recently um and there's you know the, clearly the legacy of that team is massive and will probably always be massive but what does what does this victory do moving forward for soccer for the women's game for these particular players specifically the ones you mentioned that were that are probably going to be walking away here shortly well, for these particular players, the number one thing that it gets them 
is a very large paycheck that they absolutely deserve. And there are a lot, you know, I've spent the last couple of days at, at uh, you know, the FIFA Women's Soccer Symposium that a lot of us were tweeting about because it was being streamed on YouTube. Uh, you know, and there were speakers there from Fox, Amanda Vandervoort of Major League Soccer, who a lot of people out there know very well because she does their social media and has been involved in the women's game for ages, uh, both with previous leagues and also as a consultant to FIFA. She moderated a presentation on the business of women's soccer. And we in the States are pretty lucky in the fact that we believe pretty strongly that the women who play soccer ought to get paid the same amount of money as the men who play soccer. And sometimes it's not always possible because the amount of revenue generated out of the women's game isn't the same. But the number one thing that you get, not only in terms of a you know straight check from the U.S. Soccer Federation, but endorsements and you know television appearances and stuff like that, we got to remember. And I think these players know they're pretty fortunate with what's about to come to them. And even some of their colleagues in the National Women's Soccer League aren't going to have that kind of privilege. Jonathan Tannenwald from Philly.com at the goalkeeper. He's been covering this tournament and pumping out quality uh, audio podcasting uh, of whatever. Audio podcasts. That's what I meant to say. At backheel.com. You should go back and listen to all of them. I think they're a nice little time capsule um, for each of those moments during the tournament. It's a, a good way to sort of relive the tournament through Jonathan's work. Uh, make sure you're following him on Twitter, as I said, and uh, reading his stuff over at philly.com as well. John, uh, get some sleep. Thank you very much for your time. It's been fantastic. Uh, great way to end the tournament, and we'll uh, we'll have you on talking about some other stuff soon. I, I appreciate it. Um, somebody asked me during our conversation if there's another show coming. There is. Uh, it'll be taping in a couple of hours with, as of now, Daniel Scusato and Michael McCall of Canadian Soccer News. And if you all think I'm sounding cranky this morning, wait till I get a hold of Squiz. <laughs> uh, yeah, you want to foul move. If you've ever, if uh, you've ever thought to yourself, I, I really love to hear some uh, some bitter Canadians on a podcast. Today is your day. Today, well, we might look. We we will try to. We're going to be taping down at Jackpool Plaza ahead of the the Fox show with all the U.S. players. That's going to be on at one o'clock Eastern time. Um, and if we can rope in a couple other folks over there, we will try to get somebody who's a little more cheerful. I will say that on the show we're going to be taping, we're going to be discussing the legacy for Canada specifically, mm. in part because on Friday at the closing FIFA press conference, which is on YouTube, and I transcribed some parts of it on my blog, and maybe Trevor can tweet that out to folks, I asked Victor Montagliani of the Canadian Soccer Association whether now uh, the CSA can go out and finally get the sponsorship revenue that they so sorely need mm -hmm. in order to take what they're doing to the next level, both for the national teams, the league that they want to launch, as Dwayne Rollins of CSN has reported on repeatedly, and as Dwayne has reported on repeatedly, and as the CSA itself has said, they want to bid for 2026. Well, they've only got three major corporate sponsors. It's time to do something about that. I put the question to Montaglia, and he gave me a long answer, but he ducked it. Hmm. He ducked. Why? He said, oh, we've got to do a lot of little things and put our house in order and do things like that. And, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, Victor, that's great. You've got a shot right now to say something big. He didn't do it. I was surprised, and I was a little disappointed. Hmm. All right, so uh, you know, lo lots of talking points coming out of this tournament. Uh, some of them big picture stuff, some of them growth of the game stuff. Obviously, as a fan, as fans here at Soccer Morning, all those people listening right now, it should be about celebrating uh, a United States World Cup victory, five two over Japan. Jonathan Tannenwald again, Philly dot com at the goalkeeper on Twitter. Make sure you're looking for a World Cup. What are we calling it, John? What is it called? It's called the Women's World Cup Home Companion. The inspiration right. was having been in Winnipeg and having used to work for NPR back in the day. It was a prairie home, <laughs> a prairie home companion. Yeah, but you're, you're not going to be doing any singing or uh, <laughs> or prepared no. comedy. <laughs> no, and I don't have any, you know, giant rafts of 
props and instruments to make sound effects with. Yeah, and no no fake biscuit products uh, no. placement. Yeah, Jonathan no. Wall, appreciate the time, John. Thanks a lot. <laughs> I am looking forward to coming home, and I'll talk to you soon. There you go. Jonathan Wall on Soccer Morning. When we come back, phone lines open. Celebrate with me. The women have won the World Cup. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. The best way to watch Copa America and the greatest players in the world, including Leo Messi, Neymar, James Rodriguez, and Alexi Sanchez, is on Sling International's exclusive broadcast of Copa America on BN Sport. Sling TV is the number one live international TV service in the United States. It's a safe and legal streaming service that delivers your favorite sports and more to your TV, tablet, phone, and computer. For just $10 a month, you can watch every single Copa America game live or on demand featuring Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Mexico, Chile, Uruguay, and more. Plus, Sling International gives you access to Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, the New York Cosmos, Syria, and more top networks offered by Sling TV. There's no commitment, no annual contract, and no satellite dish needed. Don't miss the best leagues in the world on Sling International. Sign up today at www.sling.com slash soccer. Again, that's sling.com slash soccer. This week, the U.S. men's national team kicks off its campaign to try to win back-to-back Gold Cups for the first time since 2005 and 2007. As many of you know, the past month of Women's World Cup and Copa America coverage have been augmented by our sponsor, Rabble.tv. They've given people like me, Jerry Dubois, and Thomas Floyd an opportunity to provide you with an alternate commentary to several memorable games. Now that the Gold Cup is kicking off, we're going to continue our relationship with Rabble. Each U.S. game over the next week will feature a Rabble audio broadcast, including Friday's game, where I'll be bringing you USA against Haiti, as well as Monday, July 13th's game between USA and Panama, which will feature audio dialogue from World Soccer Talk's Cardiff Krishnire. With Rabble, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. And if you have an iPhone, install the Rabble TV app and add a comment to the broadcast message board, then listen live via the app. Cheer on the red, white, and blue with Rabble.tv today. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we go, Soccer Morning on a Monday, firing up the energy levels here. 646-832-3909, USA, 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 World Champions, United States Women's National Team, Jill Ellis, best coach in the world, Carly Lloyd, performance for the ages. I mean, whatever. Today is about celebration. You could say the most insane thing to me today, and I won't care. You could say, you could tell me that Carly Lloyd is the best player to ever kick a soccer ball ever in the history of Earth. And I would be at, that's right. Damn straight she is. Today, absolutely. Uh, no, no questions asked, 100%. Scored a hat trick in, in 16 minutes. That's that's Pantheon level. That's Pantheon. There is first of all, now there's nothing that Carly Lloyd could ever do to top that. So that's something. I mean, that's that's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just she's that's going to be her life now. But it's also there forever. It happened. Pantheon. I mean, in, in terms of. United States soccer, in terms of where we've been, what we've done over the past, let's cap it at 35 years, not even 35 years, 30 years. Over the last 30 years, both men, women, U.S. soccer period, that's number one. That's that's number one. You can't beat the stage. It's a World Cup final. Doesn't get bigger than that. You can't beat the I mean, three goals in 16 minutes. This is this is top. I mean, if we're talking about moments, individual moments, you can pull out 
I mean, I think the first goal was was the best of the bunch. But if we're picking out moments, that the the midfield strike is going to go down as one of those moments. Now the game felt like it was already getting out of control at that point. The United States was going to walk with it. I, I'm glad Japan made it uh, made it interesting. I mean, I, I was I got nervous when Japan scored the second. To be honest with you, when they got their second, I got nervous. I was like, oh well, they they might we might they might actually do this. Steven on Twitter reminding me of something from from last night. The United States so demolished Japan that the Japanese made two first half substitutions. Not one, two. That's wow, you just got humbled. I mean, humbled. Some complaints here from Landon about the uh, the celebration, the post-match. What was up with the trophy models? Seemed tacky and out of place. Agreed. Tacky and out of place at, at any event, by the way, not just the Women's World Cup final. Confetti was pathetic. The whole ceremony seemed half, half-ass. And yeah, no bladder either. Yeah. Now, on one level, it's good there was no bladder because we don't really want to see Sepp Blatter it's not somebody we're looking forward to seeing. He's the he's the the drunk racist uncle you don't want showing up to the party. But on the other hand, the lack of his lack of presence clearly indicated something about how important that turn. It seemed that way. I mean, he had a reason to stay away, which is the investigation into FIFA corruption. But he also, by not coming clearly indicated that the Women's World Cup final matters less, which is not cool at all. Not at all. And I don't think the 22 million people who watched that game last night, and by the way, TV times have changed since 1999. A lot. TV times, the, 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 the state of television has changed. The, the way we watch Television has changed. So that number may not seem, I mean, if you put it in context, you're like, oh, 22 million people, look how many, look how much bigger the population is than 1999 or, or whatever. Remember that you have a lot more options. There's a lot of other things to watch on television that didn't exist in 1999. That this is in a, in a television environment where numbers like that are Nearly impossible to get. Nearly impossible to get. Not, I mean, specific, again, because of everything else that's on television. I mean, there is so much niche programming out there that the people who used to watch sports because they had no other choice are watching other stuff. They're watching people flip houses and they're watching cooking shows and they're watching reruns of Hogan's Heroes or whatever. Those people used to watch sport. Now they're so to get this number is insane. Let's go to my man Roberto up in Connecticut. Roberto, do you have a shirt number? I haven't done that in a while. I actually don't. I, I should. I, don't. <laughs> I should bestow upon you a shirt number. Now I don't know if I ha- hopefully my records are up to date. Uh, what what number? If they're if they were all available, what would you want? Uh. Alex Morgan, probably. I wouldn't go for Carly Lloyd. I'd go no, for no, no. Uh, okay, let me make sure I, I, I'm clear here. Soccer morning, uh, a while back, and I haven't, like I said, I haven't done it in a while. A while back, I decided that the most consistent regular callers who showed up and brought it every time they called in would get a soccer morning shirt number. So I'm giving you a shirt number that you you are soccer morning shirt number, whatever you choose. I got Washington and New York is number five, Rick and Philly is 14, and Eddie in Brooklyn is seven. You want a shirt number? Okay. Which one do you want? What number do you pick? A number, Roberto. Thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, fine. There you go. What What's on your mind today? Um. Yeah, I just want to mention um three tournaments that happened um over the weekend and one that's coming up. Um, for this women's World Cup win, do you feel that possibly even for the men that are watching this um tournament, that some way they can take some influence in them to um 
further regress into a World Cup, or are those two different things? No, I think they're. I mean, soccer is soccer, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, soccer is. It seriously, soccer is soccer. And if you watched any of that game, and your first thought, and you had first thought, second thought, eighteenth thought, if you ever, if you were watching that game, and at any point during it, you thought to yourself, "This isn't as good as men's soccer," or they they're not real good. The you know the, the my league one club in England could beat this. T- if you had that thought at all, go away. Go 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 away. Take yourself out of society. You don't deserve to live in it anymore. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Um, if you did watch the uh, Copa America final, what could you take away from those two uh, from that match? Do you feel that this is mm. probably the last chance uh, Messi could ever win a title? No, no. The, the, the last the the guy's what twenty seven years old. Sorry. I mean uh, twenty eight. Tw- uh, is he twenty eight already? Okay, he's twenty eight. He just, yeah. he just turned 28. Uh, I mean, you've got, a, you've got another, well, you might have a Copa America next year. I don't know if there are people are going to put as much weight into that one as they did this one because it's a more natural Copa America, if it happens. Um, so, you know, I guess you're looking at 20, 2018 for his next tournament, and he'll be 31, uh, 32. Uh, I mean, he could still be a major part of Argentina then, but he won't be nearly as good. I, I don't know. I mean, it, it might be his last chance to do it. In I mean, it's, it's his last chance to do it in his prime, Roberto. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and people, will ju- people will judge him on his prime. So, you know, historically speaking, he'll probably never marry uh, measure up to Maradona now. So it is what it is. Oh, yeah, yeah. But there's always those comparisons between him and Maradona. But there's so many um, differences between both of them. Sure. In that sense. Absolutely. And um, finally... I- that's finally, I've heard the um, commercial for the um, for the match that you're covering on Rabble, uh, USA Haiti in Boston, mm-hmm. which I'll be at the game. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think the United States should do to improve their um, their performance? Do you think they should improve at all, given their match against Guatemala when they take on Honduras tomorrow? Uh, I hope so. They're gonna need. To, well, I mean, look, they beat Guatemala for nothing. Um, I don't think it was the greatest performance. I know Klinsman wasn't overly happy with the overall performance. I think it's Tough to judge those games uh, based on the number of substitutions and certainly the posture of a country like Guatemala when they play the U.S. Honduras is going to kick the crap out of the United States, and they have to manage. You know, they have to to understand the physicality of that game and work through it. I, they're not going to beat. You know, they 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 need to improve, but they also need to be ready for the physical challenge. I think they probably win the game, but it's not going to be easy. All right. Yeah, yeah, but you look at this group overall. They should get out of their group and go at least further in the groups in the knockout. Well, no, they're gonna, they 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 should win that group. I know Panama and Honduras are in that group, but they should win that group. If they don't win the group, then we have a problem. Okay. Hey, Roberto, I got I got some <laughs> other people calling. I appreciate the call, man. There you go. Yeah, yeah. When do I get that jersey? No, yeah. no, 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 no. It's 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 you. You have you've been assigned a number. I don't actually have. Jer- I'm gonna let you go, Roberto. I'm gonna have to explain this concept a little bit better at some other point in the history of the program. Let's go to Richard in Philly. What's up? Hey, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing well. What's on your mind today? Uh, first, I want to thank, uh, congratulate Icon FC. They won the American Soccer League uh, Championship on Friday night, the champions of the 5th Division of the USASA. Okay. So congratulations. Uh, congratulations, uh, but mainly I want to talk about the end. Yeah, I mainly want to talk about the NWSL. You know, this is during the third year. I think they're going to make it to the fourth, become the longest. With this World Cup win, do you think this finally makes them, I guess, a long-term, a long-term entity in women's soccer? No, I well, okay, maybe, but I, I think more than anything, what what we're seeing here, is, what what we have on the table is an opportunity. This doesn't guarantee a, the, the U.S. women winning the World Cup does not guarantee a damn thing for NWSL. What it means is that there may be an opportunity right at this moment. I mean, I'm talking today, tomorrow, maybe next month, but not a whole lot longer after that for NWSL and its member teams to capture some of the energy around this tournament, whether that means better marketing deals, partnerships, selling blocks of tickets to certain parties, doing some, you know, striking while the iron is hot. That certainly could help. Um I don't think that this well, is going to... I hope expansion is... 
<laughs> Go ahead. I was hoping expansion because you know since Carly Lloyd, Carly Lloyd's a local girl, hopefully we get to finally get a, a team in Philadelphia. Well, finally. but you got you. That's the thing. You got to be smart about it. Well, well, that would be lovely, and it be it makes sense. Like, oh, you know, Carly Lloyd's a Philly girl, and she could she could help uh, push a team here, and we could be. A, you have to do it. You have to do this thing smartly, and and I think that um, for the most part they have done it smartly. Now that also means that the players make nothing. Uh, you know, outside of the top level American internationals, they make nothing, um, and the clubs are still operating on shoestring br- budgets and all of those things. But again, there's a there's a possibility here for them to 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 maximize that win. I just don't know if it means it means long term anything. I, I know it's a different world than 1999 and and going into the uh, uh, WSA days, but it's. I don't know. You just can't take anything for granted. I don't think they will. Uh, and I hope the NWSL lasts, but I, I just don't want to jump to any conclusions about we, we've seen this story before and it hasn't ended well. Yeah, definitely. All right, you got anything else? No, that's it. Don't worry. I, I understood the Jersey idea. I, I, I know. It. I know. I, it's all right. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. I appreciate it. <laughs> Richard in Philadelphia. Uh, 646-832-3909. Got a couple minutes left here on a Monday program. Again, United States women's national team victorious at the 2015 World Cup final 5-2 over Japan. It's not just that they did it after so many questions swirling around the side. Heading into the tournament, coming out of the Australia game, coming out of the Sweden game, Coming out of Nigeria, going into the Columbia match. China played well, I suppose, but won, won by one goal. Made it tight. Germany. Oh, oh, who, who's this? This is the U.S. we've been waiting for. Where did this come? Okay, now we, all right, now I can get behind this. And because they took out Germany in the semifinals, you thought it was breaking out very nicely for the United States to go ahead and lift the trophy. And they did it. They didn't let this opportunity pass them by. I don't know that it matters if Japan of 2015 was as good as Japan in 2011. Certainly Sawa, four more years on her legs. She came out as a substitute yesterday. You don't you didn't quite have that feeling around Japan. There wasn't that, that other narrative going on. That probably play, played a role. Sometimes you do see, and we, we, we look, sometimes we do this with hindsight. Sometimes we apply narratives after the fact that seem, that seem to fit the story, that seem to fit the way things played out. That may be true in 2011. Japan won the World Cup. They were a team of destiny. They were supposed to win the World Cup after everything was going on in their home country. Maybe that was the case. There was no, there was no tragedy, thank goodness, to go along with this World Cup, but what we had was the United States, despite all the negativity that surrounded them, certainly within the soccer community and how they were playing, still had that feeling of a team of destiny. I mean, to me, I don't maybe beyond anybody else, or maybe that's because I'm in the American soccer bubble. That's very possible, by the way. It's very possible that this is completely down the fact that I'm here in the United States watching everything through a, through the lens of the U.S. media. And being the U.S. media, for that matter. Talking to American soccer writers, for that, for, for the most part. There may have been a sense that, for a while, Canada was a team of destiny. Or England. Certainly, England could have had that vibe about them. And then, wow, Fortune really just did a number on the Lionesses. And it is a shame, by the way. Uh, where is... I, I don't have the tweet here in front of me. I'll find it. Somebody pointed out that it's... There it is. One. Find it a shame that England's women's national team won't be able to play at the Rio Olympics. Third place was an amazing storyline. We already talked about the the pain of of that own goal coming as late as it did in a game that they were probably the better team and deserved to move forward in. Ah man, we and we missed out on a USA England friend, uh, final. Now, based on the way the US played against Japan and the relative quality of England, it might have been even uglier if the English had gotten to the final. But it still would have been a great story. It's they they were still a great story. 
despite everything that happened at the end of that Japan, uh, Japan semifinal. Still a fantastic story. We have a World Cup champion right now, the United States of America. And, uh, you know, it was uh, it's one of those, it's, it's hard so close to the event, but it seems like we just went through one of those seminal moments. Whether that means anything for NWSL, we just got done talking about that with Richard, or growth of the women's game, or growth of soccer in general. I don't know, and frankly, it's hard to care right now. I mean, eventually I want all of those things to, to succeed. Soccer's not going anywhere. The women's national team's not going anywhere. NWSL needs to jump on whatever momentum they can get out of this. I don't think it's going to be some sort of huge windfall, but it could help. But more than anything, we need to stop in the modern world where everything comes at us so fast and we have so much, so many distractions. I'm going to sound a little old fogey-ish here and I apologize, but damn it, this is true. We don't even really pause anymore to sort of take stock of what we just saw, what we just witnessed, what we just lived through. And as fans, that's as special a moment as you're ever going to have. There, There is nothing that will top that moment. That moment of the final whistle blowing and the scoreboard reading USA 5, Japan 2. It's over. They did it. Abby Wambach, Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapino, Christy Rampone, Shannon Box. Megan Klingenberg, who was my spirit animal throughout the whole tournament, loved how she played. Becky Sauerbrunn, getting the spotlight she deserved. Julie Johnston, who, for the first three, four games, was a rock. Had some dips, but is a young player and looks to be an absolute anchor at the back for years and years to come. Ali Krieger, who was underrated throughout most of that tournament. Morgan Bryan, who fundamentally changed the way the United States played and made a massive difference. They don't win that tournament if Morgan Bryan isn't thrust into that position. It was an amazing day, an amazing game, an amazing performance, not only by Carly Lloyd, but by that entire team. Abby Wambach rides off into the sunset. It's, uh, it's a writer's dream. It's a fan's dream. And it came true, and there it is. Let's wrap up this Monday edition of Soccer Morning. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, we've all got that post, 4th of July, Women's World Cup Final Hangover. Uh, I do appreciate those of you who called in this morning. Make sure you go to backheel.com slash store to buy yourself a Soccer Morning mug. They're pretty. They hold liquid. Uh, they do a wonderful job of that. Just don't drop them. They are breakable. Uh, you can go to 3nilfc.com to buy yourself a Soccer Morning t-shirt. Uh, we will uh, be in touch on Twitter, at Soccer Morning, and uh, let us know thoughts, comments, concerns on anything we talk about today, tomorrow, whatever. Whatever your thoughts are, let's do it. I'm Davis JSN on Twitter. Uh, Trevor is Hey Hayward. Bother him as well. All right. I think that's it, right? That's a good way to end the program. Fantastic. We'll talk to you guys, uh, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow on a, a Tuesday. Gold Cup starting tomorrow. Oh my goodness gracious, I don't even have any time to sit still and think about... Ah. See you then. Later. Later.